Hey everyone, welcome to Taking the Pulse, a healthcare and life sciences video podcast. I am Heather Hoops Matthews. We're coming to you today from the 2023 SC Bio Annual Conference in Charleston, South Carolina, one of the premier Southeastern events for life sciences. Matthew Roberts, excited to have one of the conference presenters with us today, Dr. Amy Curtis. She is a radiation oncologist and part of the Gibbs Cancer Center and Research Institute, which is then part of Spartanburg Regional Healthcare System. That's right, yeah, you got it all. Dr. Curtis, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Thank you so much, Heather and Matthew, for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk. Start us off just a little bit about your career and what you do. So after um, training at Chapel Hill, Duke, and Baylor, I moved to Spartanburg, South Carolina to join the staff as a radiation oncologist at the Gibbs Cancer Center. And pretty soon I started working in the clinical research department, and that's where I spend a lot of my time now, is working with human subjects research in our clinical trials department. Great. Right. Now, the Gibbs Cancer Center has a terrific reputation, and it has sort of a team approach to, to treating patients with cancer. On that team, you have physicians and other types of providers. Can you talk a little bit about that team approach and that patient-centric approach that you have? Absolutely. So every week, we have 11 conferences that are wow. disease site-specific. So we have one for lung and one for GI and one for breast. And in those conferences, we have surgeons, medical oncologists, radiation oncologists that help drive some of the treatment decisions. And then we have an enormous staff of support personnel. So social workers, dietitians, oncology rehab. I can't talk enough about oncology rehab and making sure that patients function well during and after cancer treatment. Um, geneticists, and then of course our clinical trials um, navigators that, that help pair patients with a, a clinical trial in our portfolio. As a follow-up question to that, you have that team approach. Does that help on the patient communication, which we know with adult medicine is sometimes the hard thing to do with hospital, being in a hospital, getting treatment, getting information. How, how do y'all deal with the flow of information from the provider to the patient? So all of our patients have access to their medical records through a patient portal called MyChart. Right. So we empower patients and we encourage all of our patients to have access to their own medical records, their own labs, and their pathology reports. And then we're a small enough center right. that they, they know their treatment team. There's not a lot of changes or turnover or um, interlocking parts that the navigator that they meet early in their disease course is going to be the same one that sees, sees them week in and week right. out to help answer questions, reframe uh, ideas, make sure that practical barriers are removed and that there's a good understanding of what the doctors are recommending. Yes. That's a great concept. My mind is back on chemotherapy rehab, and that's a term I've never heard until just now. Um, how have you seen cancer treatment and, and research change evolve since you started your practice? So I, I think one of the paradigms that's really changed is the interplay between local and systemic treatment. Right. And when, so radiation oncology is a very local treatment. We see a tumor, we aim our radiation beams at it and, and try and, and treat it. And systemic therapy, chemotherapy, goes everywhere. And they used to be very separate. Sometimes we would combine them, but we used to think that tumors were either local or metastatic and would neither need local treatment or systemic treatment. And now there, there are patients that, that a decade ago we would have considered, you know, 
only having a few months to live. And with new biologics and new treatments, they have years to live, which means there might be a stubborn clone that needs some local treatment, that needs surgery or needs radiation. And those patients weren't candidates in the past because their disease course, the natural history was so rapid and in a decline that um, unless that specific tumor were causing a problem, they wouldn't ever see a a radiation oncologist. And so I think it's been really fascinating that that we used to think, well, when we get all these new biologics that can extend life, we won't need surgery, we won't need radiation. But sometimes you'll get those stubborn clones of cells, those those tumors that may be causing a problem, and you can have different problem solvers. You can have interventional radiology or surgery or radiation that that help patients um, that are getting systemic therapy for their kind of global disease. The forest and the trees are both important. Okay. Now, one of the things you have at the Cancer Center, after the treatment's completed, there is a survivorship program where education and support is provided. Can you talk a little bit about that? That's right. So we have a survivorship clinic that's run by nurse practitioners. And one of the first things they do is give patients a summary of their treatment. So the date of diagnosis, what stage they were, who their doctors were. And I tell patients when they get that summary to hang on to it. If they move to Tahiti, take that with them because it has everything in one place. And even though there's a patient portal, if, if every blood count from the past two years is also in that patient portal, it can be hard to synthesize that that important information about the cancer journey. So that's the first thing our survivorship clinic does is give patients a survivorship care plan that's where have you been? What have you gone through for chemotherapy and for radiation? And that's personalized to that patient? Personalized to them. And then a plan. So when when do you need follow-up scans? What kind of imaging do you need? What kind of blood tests do you need? Our survivorship team also really makes sure that the patients get back in with their primary care provider. That you know, women with breast cancer, their most likely cause of death is still heart disease. So they need to get back in and make sure blood pressure, cholesterol, all of those other things are taken care of because it would be a shame to take care of one pressing problem and ignore the the patient's global health needs. So they get them back in with their primary care doctor and our healthcare system has really invested in our primary care network, making sure that we've got good access for patients to, to have a doctor that knows them and all of their healthcare needs. That's comforting for uh, someone like very, me, you yeah, know, <laughs> non-healthcare right. professional. Yeah. We're here at the Life Sciences, the SC Bio Annual Conference. What's your opinion of the importance of having a strong life sciences industry to help not only reduce the cancer risk, but, you know, help treat people like you've been talking about? Yeah, it is amazing um, all that the life science industry has done for patients and in my career not just improving cures and we know that cancer death rates have decreased by more than a quarter over the past 20 years some of that is due to a decrease in smoking but let's face it generally Americans are not really healthier than they were 20 years ago so most of that death rate is because of the life sciences industry they're bringing better diagnostics and better therapeutics to the oncology world. And it's it's really exciting. The other thing that's exciting is that they're working hard, not just for cures, but for improved functional outcome and reduced toxicity. We right. know that so many of the things that we do are enormously toxic to patients, um, not just in the short term with, you know, hair loss or mouth sores, but in the long term, you know, people are weak, they could have heart problems. And what are 
treatments that we can give that will have great outcomes cancer-wise, but also decreased complications from treatment. Right. And, 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 and that's and a all huge of those advantage. breakthroughs have come from some type of clinical research and some type of life science industry or initiative. That's right. So um, let's talk a little bit about the future of cancer treatment, which is, I think, pretty exciting based on what research I've done. Things like precision medicine, immunotherapy, cell-based therapy. Without, We're not scientists, so without going into too much of the details, can you talk, talk about the big picture of what to expect in the future? Yeah. So I, I think there's a lot of exciting research going on in precision screening. So right now, 50 million mammograms are done every year in the United States. Every woman basically has the same screening schedule, but a woman's genetic risk, their environmental factors, their personal health history may be different and warrant a different screening schedule. So we're participating in an NCI study called TMIST, looking at ways of uh, improving mammographic screening for breast cancer. And I think that's happening throughout um, the life sciences industry, is what are ways that we can personalize even our, our screening paradigm. Um, the Grail company we worked with to develop their Galeri multi-cancer screening test. And really it's a blood test and looks for over 50 types of, of cancers to, to screen for them before they show up with somebody in the emergency room coughing up blood. That how can we improve screening? Uh, and I think that's one exciting um, opportunity for precision medicine. And then as you touched on our therapeutics, that we're do, we, there are more druggable targets than ever and better drugs than ever, which is really exciting. And, and organizations like SE Bio support companies and health systems and physicians who are constantly doing clinical research to have that next thing that, that is not currently on the horizon to come about and to improve cancer treatment and maybe cancer prevention. One of, the time, one of the few times we can talk about cancer and not be scared. Right. That's right. We're talking about yeah. the positive things. Dr. Amy Curtis with the Gibbs Cancer Center and Research Center. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for your good work. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. For those of you who joined us for this conversation, we hope you learned a little bit more and heard some good news about the forefront of cancer research and where we're going. Again, we're live at the 2023 SC Bio Annual Conference here in Charleston. We look forward to seeing you next time right here on Taking the Pulse, a healthcare and life sciences podcast. <music>